You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. All right, good morning. Uh, I am just setting my, I'm going to have like an alarm here so I make sure we have time for some ministry today. Really, I look at what Rick was saying too, just happy to be with you guys and um, I find it a real joy for me to be here with you on Father's Day. It's just extra special for me, so I was really excited, you know, to, to, to do that. And, and um, yeah, we're going to have a, I believe, a, oh yeah, Lord, bring it. We're going to have a, a good time together, and uh, I just want to share a couple like odds and ends things, and then we'll get into the message. Please don't feel overwhelmed by all those notes. I'm not going to cover all that, so you can just take a deep breath right now. You're going to get home before, before 5 p.m. today. I'm just, <laughs> no, you will. These, I like the notes just because, you know, I, this was what's on my heart when I was preparing, but, you know, we'll probably touch on some of it, but then you can go back and look through it on your own, and um, just study it for yourself. So I really encourage you to do that. I mean, all the verses I, are I put there for a reason, so you know you could use this for your own devotional time. I like to do that for different speakers that have notes. You could use it with a friend, but um, I believe as you study it and meditate on it, talk to the Lord about it, it'll really enrich your perspective of the Father, and that's that's my heart. And um, just a couple things. Um, so, uh, as as Rick said, this is we're going. My wife and I are going into our sixth year as missionaries with the International House of Prayer. So, by God's grace. <laughs> And so we've got two kids, and um, they came. So we've been married almost four years in late June. And for you, those of you who don't know, I, I put uh, some picture cards on the um, welcome desk. So you can grab one on the way out if, if you would like one of our family. You can see our kids, my wife and I. Now, she's from Taiwan. And so uh, she's been in the States now. I, I'm trying to keep it straight if it's six or eight years. So English isn't her first language. Uh, which has made marriage extra fun, you know, as if marriage needs more communication issues <laughs> for us, uh, you know, so it, that's been great, though. We've really uh, enjoyed just growing in love, and, uh, you know, as with marriage, there's always a lot of surprises when you get to know each other, and it's, like, cool to see how God is continuing to connect us and love more and more for each other, um, but just in a week, we're going to Taiwan. Uh, we've been there probably four or five times as a, as a couple but we're going, and so that's just a small country just south of China, and they speak Chinese and Taiwanese, the dialect there. But we will uh, visit her family, so they'll get to see our youngest, Hosanna. She's a year and a half, her grandparents, and, or her, Hosanna's grandparents. But then we'll be at a couple churches ministering, so the Lord's opened that up. And, um, you know, just like America had the uh, thing happen, you know, two years ago with the Supreme Court case hearing about same-sex marriage, Taiwan is right now in that place. And there's a, there's a lot of protests. They don't have the same type of Judeo-Christian background as America, so they don't have that, those types of uh, voices speaking into it, but more people just traditional. Uh, but they're really in that. And, you know, America, when, they, when America made that decision, has really influenced a lot of other countries um, for that. So there, there's a lot of churches fasting and praying for their nation just to keep the sanctity of marriage in their country. But actually, in one of the places, a youth conference, they asked me to teach on that. Remarkable. So I'm going in and teaching on God's view, not just marriage, but just kind of almost showing and exposing. Because, you know, there's about 10 or 15 countries that have endorsed that since 2000. The Netherlands was the first. And some of the things that's happened out of that in the last 15 years is just really intense with the education, with uh, the legal system, and even like kind of Kind of the minor persecution, um, but there's, you know, obviously there's more coming because it's actually written into the fabric of our country now. And so, I mean, I won't get into that. It's not today's message, but that's one of the doors the Lord's opened with some of these youth there. 
just teaching them on that. And we'll do some other training with another church. There's another church that just, I'm just sharing just to kind of let you know what we're doing. Um, there are a lot of first-generation Christians there, and uh, in the past we've done some prophetic with them. But this time we're going to go through ten, like about ten, almost ten sessions on the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm really excited about that. But it's like, you know, with translation, so it'll be like really long. <laughs> Bless their hearts. So you can pray. Just pray that the Lord just would touch people while we're there. So we're looking forward to that. And just a couple other little things. This last year was the first year they launched an all-Mandarin school uh, for worship in Kansas City. <laughs> so Mandarin's the main dialect of China, Chinese people. So they had uh, 25 people from mainland China and Taiwan come for a year program and get a student visa to study worship and using music to build prayer up in, in prayer services. And so, and it's really cool because, you know, my wife, that's her native language, and she ended up in Kansas City, and then we get married. She's in the school, but in her whole life, she's wanted to teach, you know, music and worship. And then it's like the Lord's really positioned her all of a sudden for that. And so she's now their primary music theory teacher, working with these students. And then they got student chapel all in Chinese and student small groups in Chinese. And so they're, they've, uh, she taught them last year, but they're, um, there's more influence that we'll be able to have as a family. So we'll have them over to our home and stuff. It's so crazy. It's like speaking, she's speaking about 12 hours of Chinese in her classes in Kansas City. So she's a Chinese-speaking missionary sent to Kansas City where the Chinese speakers are coming to. It just is all goofy, you know. So it just, the Lord is so neat in how he does that, you know. I love, so it's just neat to see God kind of unfolding that. And then the other thing, um, I'm, one of the places where I work out on the base is... It's, with a, it's just a short-term training program. It's called Immerse, so you get immersed in the Lord, immersed in a life of prayer. It's eight days, Saturday to Saturday, and it runs one time a month. And we typically have about 40 or so people at a track. We maybe had about 800 people last year. And half of them are international, so come from different countries just to encounter the Lord in a context of prayer because they'll get teaching during the morning, but then in the afternoon they get to be in a prayer room and you know, there's small groups and ways they can grow in their spiritual life. But I want to open that up to you and just to let you know that is a resource available to you. If you're on vacation, instead of hitting the beach or hitting something, you want to get a spiritual retreat to get refreshed and built up maybe in that place where you're, maybe there's an area you feel depleted. And, you know, you need to get more time away with the Lord around people hungry for the Lord. And you do that for eight days straight. And if that's something you'd like to do, I, I mean, I, can, I didn't bring the brochures, but I can mail some to the church. But there's a website, and I can connect you with that. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing that for a program's sake. I'm saying that for your sake. Uh, I mean, we, we have, there's 100,000 people a year come to our base. So we, there's plenty of people there. But I want you guys to be touched in a, long, in a more of a, a short-term environment. And you can even bring a friend out. And there's also things for the weekend. But I just want you to know that's available. And it's just within driving distance. It's eight, just eight hours away. So... All right. Okay. Praise the Lord. Um, all right. Well, let me just pray again, and then we'll, we'll just start today. So, Lord, I just want to thank you for our, our time, and I just pray, Lord, that you would release your spirit on us again. And, Lord, whatever you have for today, Lord, just do it. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> yeah. So, Father's Day. Um, I want to talk about the greatness of God's beauty, which I say the word beauty, all, the, all of a sudden the guys check out. The greatness of God's beauty, what that really means is his excellency and who he is, as well as his tenderness to us. And so I want to take the next 30 minutes and look at that. And then you can, again, look at the rest for yourself. This, what I'm talking about today, has, has really changed my prayer life and has helped me just get an idea of where is the Father right now? 
what is happening right now around him, and then to see that reality coming to earth. Like many people believe when they, you die, you, you go away to heaven, and then you're just kind of like this disembodied spirit person for the rest of your life. You're out in some distant heaven place. Actually, when you die, you're with the Lord. You're in a, some type of transitional body. But when you get your resurrected body, when the Lord Jesus returns, after the Lord Jesus prepares the earth, the Father and this big heavenly city, it's called the New Jerusalem, is coming down to descend and rest on the earth forever. So heaven's coming here. We're not going away forever. You were made as a physical being to enjoy the Father in, on the earth. And when you start seeing the realities of who he is in his heart and then seeing that, that that's coming, and you kind of see your little place on the timeline of salvation, like <laughs> we're talking about thousands of years here, <laughs> you see your little place, it's actually really inspiring and gives you hope because you know, oh, millions of years from now, billions of years from now, you won't just be conscious. You'll have a, a resurrected physical body doing things in the family and the kingdom of God, and you will be able to see your heavenly Father with your naked eye and not die and be enriched in enjoying Him like you were created for. And, and there's endless things you'll get to do with Him from that place of partnership. When you see that right now, you know, coming to church, learning to pray, these are all, you're just learning something that you're going to be unpacking for eternity. And when I talk about eternity, people just think like, there's no time. There's time in heaven. It just keeps going. You're never going to be bored, I promise you. And so I want you to just today, I want us, I just kind of want to maybe get a little paradigm for the, your Father in heaven. What's going on around Him? What is coming down? And how that relates to you. And so uh, really that's found in Revelation 4. Revelation chapter 4 is the uh, most saturated passage in the Bible about the Father and His throne room, where he, where he dwells, His living room. It's His house. And He designed it. So if he designed it, and he's perfect, and he has all the resources of heaven, then it's got to be an amazing place. And it's kind of hard because our minds are still, I mean, we don't, if we don't meditate on this very much, it's going to seem kind of strange, just to some of the things, because some of it's kind of symbolic. Some of it, actually, I believe is very literal. And even though we want to be like, I think this is symbolic, it's actually literal. And we don't really know why God would do that. But we got to stick with it, because in each of these little, each word or phrase has a mountain of understanding about the Father. Because he chose those things to be there. He likes that. So we're looking at Revelation 4. And so John, you know, just a little background, he was taken up to heaven by Jesus. And the rest of Revelation, chapter 5 through 22, is really about how Jesus is going to transition the earth under his reign as a human king. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's a human king coming back. And he's going to live on the earth and rule on the earth. But Revelation 4 is about the Father and his plan and his vast beauty and resources. Because if you see his resources and his power on his throne, then you know the plan of Jesus, the rest of the book, will be accomplished. So he's showing us the beauty and the vast resources of the Father so that the rest of the book makes sense that what he's saying what Jesus will do will be accomplished. But we're looking at Revelation 4 today, and it says this, and um, I'm on letter B here. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne in heaven. So John sees a throne when he's taken up in the Spirit. And so let's look at Roman numeral 2, the Father's greatness of his beauty. And so first, there's really interesting, there's, this is really makes, helps you make sense of it. In Revelation 4, verses 2 through 7, there's really four categories of God's greatness and his beauty and there's like three themes in each. So kind of 12 things. Three times four is 12. You know, 12 little aspects of God's beauty we're going to look at here. Just, just touch on them. 
Again, you can read these verses later. Just think about it. I, I invite you to use your holy imagination with this because these things, these things are realities that are forever. There's a lot of things around us that will pass away. This is forever. <laughs> and let it be, first is the beauty of God's person. So John looks up and verse 3, he sees one sitting on the throne who is like Jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Well, for all of us, unless you're like, uh, you work with gems, most people don't know what a Jasper or sardius is. We just kind of read over and go, okay, next. Okay, that's how it is. Now, each of these phrases, I just invite you, friends, when you get to the Bible, when you do that, you're missing out. So let's just look at each of these because the Lord wants to unpack it. Uh, Jasper, ancient Jasper, was a really the clearest, very clear gem. So John, in his weakness, is trying to find something that actually matches what he sees. All right? That's not like the Father's actually like a stone, a Jasper. But that's the closest thing John can think of. And it's a clear, uh, a clear light that comes out of it, like a bright light, more than a diamond. And he's seeing, he's looking at one on the throne. So just use your imagination. There's one sitting there. This is your father. Okay, this is Father's Day. Right now the father's hearing us right now as we're talking. <laughs> and he's recording. You know, God records everything that we do. It's just amazing. He's recording this conversation with us here. And this brightness of his being is shining out so that John really can't even see the one on the throne. It's just uncreated light flooding that place in the throne room. Uncreated light. Paul says that he is in an inapproachable light in 1 Timothy. And Psalms, it says David is, uh, that God clothes himself in light. And so your father is in a clarity of light. You know, light is understanding. Light heals. Light does many things. This is uncreated. It's not the sun. This is brighter than the sun. This is uncreated light from the being of your heavenly father. Again, if you're saved through Christ, this is your spiritual father. This is who he is. And if this is who he is, this is who you're going to become. This is, you're actually reading about yourself here because God's going to give you a resurrected body and you're going to have this lightness on you. You are reading a part of your history and your future. You're reading about your identity because this is your father. You begin to look like who you come from. Sardius is a real deep red stone. That is the uh, burning heart of the compassion that motivates the Father's actions for you. He is motivated and stirred by deep compassion. You know, it says in uh, Exodus that our God's a consuming fire. That sardius even represents the fire of God. Now, that's a good thing because when we get close to the fire of His love, it actually purifies our hearts so that we, in turn, can respond with like love towards Him. That we are stirred by love for the Father. Just the way He loves us, we begin to love Him back in the same love. It's a supernatural love that requires our participation. Our, so God wants to impart that in you, but your Father has a burning heart of love. That's what motivates all that He does in creation. All right, so that's another part of His beauty. A third is emerald, so that's green. An emerald rainbow is over His throne. Now, this throne, I'm just going to back up again. I kind of got ahead. This, we're looking at here, this throne room is in the Holy of Holies in heaven. Did you know there was a Holy of Holies in the Hebrew temple? That was a shadow of an actual real temple in heaven. I don't know if you knew that. It says that in Hebrews. That's a re, there's a real temple with a real throne room with God on it. 
And that uh, temple and his throne room is the same thing, is actually at the height of the heavenly city. And in Revelation, it says the heavenly city is 1,380 miles long by wide by high. 1,380 miles. That is the distance between Indianapolis and past the Rocky Mountains is the size of this city. Outer space starts after about mile eight. So 1,200 whatever miles left, this thing is out in outer space. So when this thing comes down, it says that heaven's going to come down. It's going to rest on a created earth, a new creator. This is a massive city that will rest on earth. This is the city that Abraham looked for when he was a sojourner. This is the city that Paul said is where your citizenship is in Philippians. You are a citizen. You are belonging. You have a citizenship to your father in this city. You have a home. In, I, you already have a home in here. If you're saved, God already is preparing a place. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. Where is that place? It's in this city. It's a, fit, it's a real place. And the Father is dwelling at the top of it. like It's also the shape of a mountain. And this is where his throne room is. And this is where you're, you're, you're getting a glimpse here. This is the chapter is so concentrated on what's happening at the epicenter of this huge, massive city with innumerable angels and saints. You know, traffic and uh, institutions. It's a normal city like we have cities. It's not just like people floating on clouds. It's a real place where you belong. And that place is coming down. And we're looking at the top of it in his throne room. And now you have emerald. Emerald is uh, green. Green is, represents God's mercy. So everything God does is motivated by mercy. Mercy is getting something we don't deserve. And mercy makes things new. In other words, God, by showing us this rainbow, I believe it's actually like an orb, not just like a simple rainbow, but it has shades of green around his throne. So bright white light, deep red, shades of green around him, representing the Father's mercy. That means he is going to remove completely the ravages of every form of sin and death from the earth forever. All pain and sorrow. He is committed to doing that because he's a God of mercy. He's not going to give us what we deserve. He's not just going to forgive us of our sins. He's actually going to wipe away all sin and all death off of the face of the earth. He's going to use Jesus to do it when he sends the Lord. But right now at the church, we're just experiencing a down payment of it. As we, as we uh, follow the Holy Spirit, consecrate our hearts to him, the Holy Spirit begins to renew us out of sin. We get overcoming sin, right? We're not just forgiven from sin. We can overcome sin as a believer right now. We, in community, as we confess our sins, we are healed. So we're kind of experiencing down payment of this reality, but more is coming. This is who the Father is. He's a God of mercy. You, are you following me here? So we have a, another one. Let us see the beauty of God's partners. If you read in verse 4, around the throne. And I just want to meditate on this together. And there's so much more we can say here were 24 other thrones. So you've got the throne of the Father, but 24 thrones around him. And I saw 24 elders sitting in white robes, and they had crowns of gold. Now, this, we call this beautiful because this is what God's chosen to have around him and his greatness. Now, I am very convinced these are not angels on thrones because these people have crowns. Crowns in heaven are given for people that overcome. People that overcome different types of trials in their life even martyrdom to the extent of martyrdom, all the way to overcoming things. You know, many friends, you might have inherited a sin pattern for generations, and you were like, why did I have to inherit that? 
you have the power to overcome it because the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you overcome that, I promise you, you get a crown. That means if you don't let that thing take you over, instead you surrender your heart to God and he actually does a new thing in your family line that was never done before and you surrendered and you gave it to him, when you see the Lord Jesus, he will give you a reward that will never spoil or perish. And that reward partially is how much affection he has for that choice you made. But that will also be demonstrated in crowns and many other types of rewards. Jesus taught on rewards more than anybody else. Last time I was here two years ago, we talked about that. I'm sure everybody remembers. <laughs> they have crowns. So they're human beings, and they're on thrones around the Father. This tells you a lot about your Father's heart on Father's Day. One is that He is so humble and gentle and giving. He wants human beings to co-rule with Him in partnership. He's not threatened by other people operating in power. Most people, when they're in complete power, they want to keep it all to themselves. The Father is putting human beings at the highest level of His government right next to Him and saying, look at what I'm looking at. Get to know me. And through your words of prayer and declaration, co-rule with me. That's even crazier to think that these people there are just like you and me at one point, weak and broken. God can take the weakened and broken places and he's not put off by it. If we let, allow him to overcome in us, look at where some of the people in our human race can be right into that throne with him. Even the weak and broken ones of us, grace is, his grace is really sufficient. His grace is that powerful. He's not concerned about our weak and brokenness if we surrender to his grace to empower us. That tells us a lot about the Father. So you can read more about what these uh, human beings are doing, but we can know at least that God loves partnership. And what that means for us today is, you know, that's why we want to get to know Him. Many times we get saved and then we just get busy in things. We get busy in, you know, activities in our family or our work, and we get busy in church. And, you know, there's one way to preach it, which is to make everybody feel bad about it. But this way I'm going to preach about it is, is that we don't get to know the deeper things on our Father's heart. So we spend the majority of our life not really partnering with Him. And that's why we feel burned out many times. That's why we don't know if He likes us or not. We haven't gotten to that place where we let Him convince us and show us more of who He is. And then out of that understanding, we begin to partner with Him in our lifestyle, in our prayers, and we get to more of a momentum, more of a track history of seeing things that he's done in our life. Now, we're all growing in that. It's like we never arrive, you know what I mean? There's times where we're like, we're looking eye to eye with the Father, and there's times things happen. We're like, hey, where, where, what happened there? And we got to go back and talk to him and figure out what, what, where, do we, where do we get off or what do we miss? So that's totally normal. But if I look back at my life, I want to see a trend where I'm getting closer to agree in partnership. I don't want to look back and be like, what was those five years about? I don't even know what God was saying during those times. I just kind of did my own thing. I don't want to go back. Because, you know, I'm still saved, but I didn't really partner. I didn't really feel the things he was feeling about the things in my life. I didn't really get connected with the thoughts he had about those situations, especially those things that frustrated me. So, like, I could spend years frustrated, but I never really learned what he felt about it. So I could partner with him, and probably he would have helped me with a lot of that frustration. Instead, I chose to carry it and just hold on to it for myself for years. What a travesty. Like, that's not God's plan for me. 
But that's yet sometimes what happens to us. And so if the Father in the center of His throne room has human beings that are getting to know Him and talking to Him and seeing Him, that's what He wants for all of us in, in our spirit right now as He lives inside of us. He's inviting us all into a deeper level of partnership so that there is no uh, bitterness or frustration or loss or confusion that actually is in the way of our relationship with Him and inhibiting us from growing in a deeper walk and in greater fruit in our lives. This part of the beauty of God and how great He is in wanting to bring us in, it really helps us, I think it stirs us even for now. The beauty of God's power. Uh, you know, when the Lord decrees things in His heavens, look, look at what happens here. Verse 5, from the throne proceeds lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Interesting. Can you imagine after you've got the bright light and the deep red of the Father and the, and the emerald rainbow, and then you're seeing other, if you look at other passages, there's many angels waiting on the Lord and asking what they want him, what he's, they're supposed to do, and they'll go do his word. But you have these human beings that are worshiping him and getting to know him and declaring what he's doing in partnership. But then you have lightning flashing. And thunder, shaking the thunder. I mean, what, what much more than the sound system when I started talking. <laughs> and, you know, last night it was thundering. I mean, I woke up. Anybody else wake up? You know, that thunder, that thunder is in his throne room. It's the power of God. And, uh, and whenever he decrees something, it's released. It's charging the atmosphere. It's his greatness. Voices, his voice, the voice of a, uh, other people, uh, angels and, and humans calling things out. The beauty of God's power. And finally, the beauty of God's presence, fire. And we have three objects that are on fire. Let's look at this. Verse uh, 5, halfway through verse 5. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne where the Father's sitting, which are the seven spirits of God. And then before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal around the throne, and there were four living creatures. Now, you can't tell just from this passage there's other parts of Revelation and parts of the Bible explain really what's happening here. So I'm just going to kind of touch on it, and you can, you can look at it more yourself. But the seven lamps, you know, seven, the Holy Spirit, this tells us He has a diverse ministry because it's seven aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry. It's seven distinct lamps before the Father. You can look in Isaiah and Zechariah. talks about the sevenfold Spirit, and He actually names what the roles of the Spirit are. But what we can look at right now is, first of all, the Holy Spirit is diverse in His ministry through the body of Christ, but the fact that he is before the throne, this next truth I like a lot, is that he is so humble. Like, he's so humble. He is waiting on the Father to what the Father's doing so he can do it. The Father makes the plan, Jesus speaks it out, or the church speaks it out, and the Holy Spirit in his humility does it. Isn't that amazing? The humility of God. And he also, as a lamp, searches the deep things of God and makes it known to us. He sheds light on the Father. The Holy Spirit does that for us. You've got the seraphim. These are creatures. Later you can read more. It's, they have six wings and eyes all around them. And they are constantly saying how holy God is. Holy is really, he's separate from sin but also means transcendent, that He is far above anything in the created realm. He is transcendent. He is far beyond that. And it says when they look at Him, that they even have their wings covering their eyes. 
They have so many eyes because it's so kind of crazy to think about creatures with so many eyes, but God decided to do this. He likes this. So they can see all the many facets of God because he's unsearchable. So they have like one of the best jobs ever. They don't want to leave. They get to see God. And when they, when they see God, it actually touches them emotionally. And it, uh, it, they declare things. And it's very a powerful interaction that they have. But they have given so many eyes to see so much of God. But also because of the greatness and transcendence of God, they have to cover their eyes. So it's like they can look for so long and then it's like their hard drive melts. It's like they get, uh, they get shut down because of the greatness of the, his beauty of who he is, like his kindness and his tenderness. All of the things that we long for. You know, when people go on vacation and you guys go to a beach, you want to go to a beautiful place, right? You know, who, who likes the beach? You like to look at the ocean, just see that endless beauty, okay? Who likes to go to the mountains and just look at the, grand, the vastness of the mountains, okay? That is, that is for creation, but that actually, that longing is really about what we're talking about. That's just a, a small sliver of what we're made to look at when we see the Father. When we see Him, the vastness, the beauty, that longing is the longing for beauty. Yes, it's in creation because He's the creator. We're connecting it through that creation because He's the creator. But it's really for Him, those creatures get to have that feeling times a million, and it's so intense, they have to look away. But beloved, this is where you'll get to be someday in a real body. You'll also do other things, but this will be what you want to do the most, to be in that throne room, to be as close as those elders with those living creatures and get to know the Father. You'll never stop getting to know Him. It's not like you just get a resurrected body, you get resurrected, and then it's all of a sudden, yeah, you'll, you won't sin anymore, but it's not like you won't learn anymore. You're going to learn forever. Who likes to learn new things? Yeah, you'll get to learn forever and ever. God is infinite, and you know, I don't, I don't know the science, but how much part of our brain we actually use, it's a really small amount to what God made. And that's our natural mind. Imagine with a resurrected mind, how much of your brain and your, and then think about our emotions. How much of our emotions are shut down from either wounds that God's healing or that aren't even connected right? God, are we going to get rewired the right way? And then we're going to be able to feel the right way about our Father and actually, uh, understand him more with our mind, but still even that's nothing. I mean, still it's just a touch, and we're going to do that for billions of years as a part of what we get to do. Those creatures are showing us where we belong. So you're going to look at them with your natural eyes, but your eyes of your spirit. Right now we can't see them with our natural eyes, but you can through your spirit. You can as you read the Bible and talk to him. You can talk to the Holy Spirit and say, show me more about the Father, and he can show you things. You get that aha moment. How many times have you been reading the Bible and you talk to the Lord, all of a sudden something hits you anew and you feel like you just touched something that was like living, touched something that stirred you deeply? That's just a force, just a little sliver of what you're going to be doing forever. And enjoying that enjoyment of getting washed clean by his word, getting to know him better. When you get saved, God changes your desires. And we all need to keep feeding the godly desires and not the, 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 the lusts of the earth that corrupt us and that are only temporary. God's all inviting us in to feed the desires of who he is because that's really where we're going. And so these seraphim are doing that. And, and when they declare who God is, the, the whole throne room of this vast city is shaking. Then we have the redeemed saints. They're on the sea of glass. Now this is actually like this sea of glass. If you look in Revelation, uh, I think it's 14 and 15, there are, that's in chapter 7 as well. There's other chapters. This is like the place of congregation before the throne. 
This is bigger than any, this is bigger than Lucas Oil Stadium. This will accommodate probably two to three billion resurrected saints. Because that's about how many there will be. Two to three billion resurrected saints. You know, there's estimates that's probably already a billion. And then there's a billion right now of Christians on the earth. And we believe there's an end time harvest coming before the Lord's return, which will probably be another billion of souls. So around two to three billion people all in the same place and will come for times of gathering all together to gaze upon the Father and worship Him. This is the grand gathering place. And on earth, I think one distortion of that's Mecca for the Muslims. Now, I love Muslim people, but Islam, they gather the most people for religion. They all have to make Hajj or whatever it's called to uh, Mecca as a part of the religion. And there's, there's millions of people there. If you ever see pictures, it's vast people. That's just a million people. Imagine billions and billions of people. And the cool thing is that with resurrected bodies, we, this fire doesn't hurt us. I don't know how it works, but I promise you the fire feels good. I don't get it. It's holy fire because there's fire on the sea of glass. Isn't it crazy? So some of those things you're kind of like, all right, I don't get it. That's fine. But there's things that the Lord wants us to learn from that, that we will be congregating together in times of worship with the Father before His throne. That's where we belong. The Father says that's beautiful. Now, letter G, when you appear, this is really helpful. When you pray to God, I want you to just envision some of those things. This is where you appear now. Try praying and thinking about where your voice is being heard. Okay? You, when you, okay, you're here in the body, right? But you're one with Jesus in spirit. That's where he is right now. He's up there. He's the minister in the heavenly sanctuary. He's a minister in heaven. When you pray in the Spirit, it says you're seated in heavenly places. And if you look at Hebrews 12, it says, You have come, in your, I believe it's talking about in your spirit, to Mount Zion, that's heaven, and to the city of the living God. He's talking about when you go as your priestly ministry, as you go as a believer and engage the Father in prayer, you're actually, you're there present in some way in that place right now. In your spiritual person. You have a, you have a, you're there connecting with the Father. And so when you pray, you don't have to always do this, but I like to do this sometimes, especially to personalize it. I like to see the Father in His brightness, in His love for me. I like to think about His compassion over me. I like to think about His mercy making new things new in my life and around the things I'm praying for. And I like to think about the elders falling down and worshiping Him and the Holy Spirit there helping me understand Him. And then when I pray, I pray right into this picture, right to the Father. Think about it. It's real. You're going to do it for other, another time. Why not actually engage what you're going to be doing with your natural body? So you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, to God, to the Father and judge of all. Now, earlier in Revelation, letter H, this is where I want you to see this. This is the, it's really about Jesus' end time plan, what Jesus is coming to the earth. But there is a, a part about the Father, and it, this is the title that John gives the Father, or the, the Father gives himself <laughs> to tell John in verse 4. I want you to look at this phrase. I most likely haven't thought of it this way before because it struck me too. It says, peace from him who is, who was, and is to come. Him who is. 
This is the Father's title. This is talking about He is presently involved right now in the earth. Who was? He's the one that created the earth. Who is to come? He is the one who's coming to the earth. It's not we're going there. He is coming here. If you connect that with Revelation for chapter 12 and 22, 21 and 22, your Father is going to come and make a tabernacle. He's going to come and live on the earth with us forever. This is your Father. He is coming to be with you. If He's coming here with this vast city and this heavenly throne room, then you better believe He is not forsaking the earth, no matter how dark it gets. This gives us extreme hope for what God's going to do on the earth. He is committed forever with us. What a good Father. What a good Father. Now, I want to look just at his tenderness here for a few minutes. I, we don't have time to unpack all this, but I want to go back to the emerald rainbow because I feel like the Lord is speaking comfort over us this morning. And I want to talk about his tenderness of his mercy because not only is he a great father, but he's also really tender in how he treats us. So he's great in his power. He's great with on a throne. If he's sitting on a throne, it means he's over everything in his power, but yet he relates to us tenderly in mercy. Now, mercy... It's not just forgiveness of your sins and covering it. No, that's, that's a big part of it. But it's also giving us things we don't really deserve, like our, our education, our family, giving us good gifts, um, giving us things like um, you know, our cars or our understanding. That's a part of his mercy. And when we see that he's the wise one that gives mercy, it actually helps us to not compare ourselves with other people because he's the source of those things. And it's his choice to what he gives to other people. And we focus on what he's doing in our heart. He has a reason for all of those things. And if you look at uh, letter C, Psalms 145.9, he is so tender. What that means is when you fail, the Father, and you turn yourself to the Father and say, I failed. Could be a weakness you have. Could be the time you, the 2,000th time you did that thing. And, you know, you acknowledge it before him. You come before him. In our own brokenness, we want to hide. In our own brokenness, we want to beat ourselves up until we pay enough price so we're good enough to come before Him. But that's not how He wants us to relate to Him as a tender Father. He wants us to know that He has tenderness towards Him. And just by acknowledging our sin or our weakness, coming before Him, He wants us to experience His tenderness. We are fully accepted in that moment. Look at Psalms 145.9. It says, The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies over all His works. He is tender towards us and forgiving us again and always treating us with a tender spirit. Now, the reason that's so hard for us to grasp is because that's not how the world and how most of us learn to operate. You get somebody annoying in your life to you, you want to avoid them. You feel bottled up and sometimes it leaks out and you're harsh to them. Give a harsh tone. You... Or maybe you say something behind, you don't like them to somebody else. That's not mercy. That's not tenderness. Now, God's transforming us. When we do that, we say, Lord, I, I, I was not merciful. Forgive me. Give me a merciful speech. Give me a merciful heart. Show me how you see that person or see the circumstance so that we can grow in the mercy that our Father has because we're going to become like Him in His image. But He has that tenderness. He wants us to learn to connect with Him out of that deep and special place. Um, that's why in Isaiah 55 he says, your thoughts, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. 
Look at, look at it in earlier, verse, uh, verse 7, it says it's about mercy. He's talking about how we relate to each other and how we relate to Him. He says, you're not going to be able to do this on your own the way I do it. Because your natural thoughts aren't like mine. And your natural ways are not like mine. So it doesn't mean we're stuck there, but it means to recognize that and to make that a point to begin to grow in His thoughts and His ways, particularly in His tenderness, particularly in how He distributes mercy to our children and to our spouses and to our, our leaders. And, you know, when we look at mercy, we can see someone's faults. We want to cover them. We want to pray for them. We don't accuse people. Mercy doesn't accuse. Mercy doesn't uh, speak harshly. Mercy, uh, mercy provides for room to grow. And that's amazing. Even to the worst of us, like even to the darkest places, it's, that's mercy. We don't, we don't get to choose who we give it to or not. Sorry. The Father says He even gives good things to the wicked. That's our Heavenly Father, giving them time to repent. We don't get to choose. We don't get to distribute how much mercy. We don't get to decide. And so the Lord, I believe the Lord's even showing, speaking like today about on Father's Day, to, He's saying again to us, learn my mercy, you know, study it. We can start with this, these simple notes here, but there's more. And learn my tenderness and how to relate to each other because I'm going to use the people in your life so that you can learn about my mercy. You think they're in your life as an accident and an obstacle. I put them in your life to teach you. I put them in your life so that you can look upwards and begin to learn my ways. So that when you meet me, you're already more like me. And then the fruit that you produced alive on earth was because you learned my mercy. So much we're missing out because we don't know his mercy. I don't want to wait to meet him in person. I want to know as much as I can now so the fruit's better. God is so extravagant in mercy. It reminds me of the prodigal son in Luke 15. You remember the story. He disowned his father. He squandered his wealth. He lived in shameful ways. And it shows us the picture. Here's what the father was doing when he returned. And he arose and came to his father. This is remarkable. This is the same father on the throne in all power. Here's what the father also is like. He was, when he was just far away, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That's your father. That's who he is. Even in the greatest shortcoming of our own life or others, he's looking for us to come back. Could be in one area of our life that we maybe know we're struggling in, but maybe today it's a time where we acknowledge, you know what? I've been in this place for five years, emotionally, mentally, and the whole time the fruit has been bad. <laughs> I, don't, I can't think of any good fruit from this area in five years. Huh. Maybe I'm not partnering with the Father. Okay, just a thought, because I've been here. Maybe there's another way. Maybe I'm doing my way. Maybe I need to learn His way. Especially if you can look at that place and you don't see tenderness. Then that's a sign that somehow that place is sealed off and we've been doing our way. And so the Lord... Could, I mean, you turn to the Lord today, He's waiting. I mean, He's looking in that place right now. And He's about to throw a party. He could throw a party for you right now. Wow. 
about the response in this area, maybe that there is not tenderness and you don't feel like you have mercy for yourself and you've noticed you don't have mercy for others because sometimes the areas that we're blocked off, we don't have mercy towards other people because we don't have it towards ourselves. And just like that with the prodigal son, the father is like that. He is waiting today for us to turn to him. I want to just end here and close here. And I want to go to the last page. You can, you can read all these things. I want to talk about uh, comfort. The Lord spoke to me about comfort coming, Mount Comfort. <laughs> and uh, I was kept hearing comfort when I was driving the car. You know, comfort's the prophetic. The prophetic brings comfort. Uh, God is called the God of comfort in Romans 15, 5. And his, in Psalm 23, 4, it's his leadership, his rod and his staff comforts us. So if there's areas in our life that isn't experiencing comfort, we might not be agreeing with his leadership. Because if we were, he would use his staff to defend us and his rod to kind of prod us to get where we need to go as sheep. <laughs> we need that help. We're all blind in a sense. You know, we really need his help. And so the Lord wants to release comfort today. And he has a heart for comfort. It says in uh, Isaiah 57, 18, letter H, that he has seen our ways. Again, this is, this is about people that don't know the Lord, but even us that maybe know him, but there's ways. He says, I will heal them. I will lead him, and I want to restore comforts to him or her. God wants to take the brokenness that comes from the, our spiritual, relational, economic, emotional, all these different ways, mental ways we've been suffering from patterns of sin, and bring comfort but one thing he's asking of us, and uh, letter I, he talks about this. He's talking about learning to mourn. But this isn't about mourning in a natural sense when you're just grieving a natural loss. That, that's very valid, and we need to do that. This is actually about spiritual mourning. It talks about Matthew 5, 4, you're blessed. What that means is he wants us to look at those areas in our life that don't match the promises of God. So God's promised this emotional quality, this standard of, of uh, living emotionally or our spiritual standard, something that we're hungering for in the Lord and we see the gap. We see what he's promised, but we see our own experience. And he wants us actually to not get distract that, to comfort it with a temporary comfort. He actually wants us to embrace that longing for more of him in that place and, and not feed it with anything else but him and keep doing that. And that's called spiritual mourning. And over time, as we do that and, and engage with the Holy Spirit, what He's leading us, that will bring the Holy Spirit in comfort. That will bring a, a supernatural comfort that far surpasses anything temporary, and you will be blessed. That's what the Lord says. And, um, you know, I've experienced that in different times in my life. Uh, you know, one time battling depression, other times just different relational challenges. And keep going to the Lord and asking Him, Lord, I know that you've promised me this type of situation in this relationship. I don't know how to get there. I need your help. I'm going to not give in to responding harshly. I'm not going to give in to ignoring this person or doing this negative thing. I'm, but even if I do, I'm going, to, I'm going to acknowledge it right away and say I failed. I am going to keep my heart open, and I'm going to pray about this issue as many times as I think about it a day and engage with your purposes for it until I get a breakthrough. 
until that changes. I set my heart. I will not back down. I'm expecting God to change it, not me. I'm expecting God to change the circumstance, not me change that person. I'm expecting God to bring a breakthrough, but I'm going to do it not... Uh, I'm going to do it staying alert and awake with what God is, he has for me. And I'm going to engage as much as I can with my heart with the Lord and other people in the meantime. And I'm not going to let go. If that takes 10 years, 5 years, maybe it'll take a couple months till I see a shift, I am going to press in for that breakthrough. And that's called spiritual mourning. And the Lord wants to bring comfort. And that's an expression of his mercy. He has that place for us. That could be loneliness. That could be a type of addiction. That could be, we all have these different areas. That could be a lack of mercy in certain areas. And the Lord wants us to um, uh, enter into that spiritual breakthrough only that he can bring. And when the Lord does that, he showers his mercy upon us. So today, kind of just want to look at the mercy of God in his throne room. I mean, the beauty of God in his greatness and where you appear when you pray, and that city and that throne room coming down. And that's where you belong, and that's, where, that's the future. As well as I want to look at that great, powerful being, the Father, he also relates to us tenderly and wants to bring comfort and teach us his ways. That's who he is. And when you pray and talk to him, you're appearing before him, and he wants to continue to transform you to his image. And so I just want you to walk away with today the, the greatness of his beauty, and the tenderness of who he is as a father. And so I just want to bless you today. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.